Father, and Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. God of great love and mercy, you who are in charge of all things, you who know us all intimately and love us all intimately, you who sent Jesus to die for us, to save us so we could be with you forever. Father, give us the grace of true repentance. Give us the grace to desire your will more than our next breath. Give us the grace to do what you want. We beg you these things, Holy Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. And the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Those of you just joining us, again, we had problems. Uh, they even had everything set up for me so I could come walking in and everything would be there. And we hit it and it went to the wrong station or whatever. Don't know what happened, but we're not on <laughs> that way. So that's why we're doing it again through my phone. So you pray that I have enough uh, battery left on my phone to take care of everything, <laughs> you know. So again, what we do here in the Anchored for Hope, uh, I think this is number 12, um, episode number 12. So what we need to do is I have a bunch of... Um, email questions and that that have come in throughout the weeks and then also you can ask questions online uh, just by asking right next next to us um, and see where we go from there okay so again I will find out what's happening and trying to read as many things as I can so <laughs> plug in the phone that would be smart, wouldn't it? But I'm not in my office. I'm at my uh, foundation's office, and I don't have anything to plug it into that I could do this. So, again, <laughs> this is not part of the plan. Um, which, again, what are, we, what are you going to do? Have me sit there and get mad about it? I ain't going to do that. There ain't no reasons for it. And, again, I just came off a wonderful vacation. I was in Vegas, as we talked about. I didn't even... Um, gamble like at all. I was waiting for my buddy at the other hotel, so I put a $20 bill into the uh, machine and, um, you know, and I won once and I lost twice. So I lost like about 50 bucks. So, but hey, it's okay. It was still fun while I was there. I had some of the best food I have had in years. There's a, there's a great place in there that's a mixture of Chinese and Mexican. Now <laughs> you think, Chinese and Mexican. It was fantastic. Oh my gosh. It was fantastic. And then we went to this other place, which was uh, high-class Chinese, and it was fantastic. It was, the whole the whole trip was very good. Again, I was only there from, I got there at nine o'clock on Sunday night, and I left at six o'clock in the morning uh, yesterday. And then I had to drive back to here. So it was very good, just enough that I, I needed. So, uh, and so, and thanks for all your prayers, and uh, it was a great time. So let's get going here right away today. Father, this is from Linda Riley Jackie. My father, my father, my son has fallen away from the church. His 11-year-old son was never baptized. When I bring it up and ask if his teaching him about the Catholic teachings and God, he pretty much cuts me off. It makes me so sad. I guess all I can do is pray. Yeah, and I think I might have dealt with this before. Uh, yeah, but prayer, is all I can do is the most powerful thing you can do. Again, I think until we get the, the reality that God wants our family saved more than we do. Don't you get it? The God of the universe left heaven and died for your son and for his son. And the God of the universe 
will do everything in his power to save him. So you, 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 you can't despair like everything depends on you. Again, the best thing you can do, sometimes the more you talk and yell and scream and say, are you doing this, are you doing that, they're gonna dismiss you like you said they already did. But if you just love him and you show what a Catholic is, the Catholics are the ones, are the, 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 we are the ones who should be the most loving people in all the world. You know, sometimes, this is a hard thing to even say, but sometimes I think I should leave the Catholic faith. And if it wasn't for the truth of the Eucharist and our teachings, I would, because I'm not the type of person that's loving. And a lot of people that call themselves the most Catholics are not the most loving. It, sh it should never be a separation. The most Catholic person there is should be the most per perfectly loving person there is. And it's usually the opposite. The most Catholic person I know is usually the most judgmental person I know. And they judge everybody else who doesn't see things like them. And, and, and it turns people off. Now, my job and your job is not to make people happy. We're not supposed to be people pleasers. In fact, Jesus calls us to the cross. And sometimes we want to... Uh, Make everything nice, like, oh, you'll be blessed and everything else. Don't you get it when you come to God? When you come to the God, the God of the universe says, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But also this God of the universe also says, no one can be my disciple unless he picks up his cross every day, denies his very self, and follow in my footsteps. So God's calling us to die to ourselves for love of others. So we should always always be more concerned about others than we are about ourselves. Again, it doesn't mean you don't take care of each other. You know, again, I was telling the story at the, the uh, mass I had last night about uh, I had mass and I had done my whole year in my hotel room. And then everything's, I mean, uh, uh, San, uh, Las Vegas was very, <coughs> so many things were closed, not open. Uh, for so many different reasons. So it was hard to find a cup of coffee there where you didn't stand in line. And uh, so I went, I walked down a, a piece right by the cathedral of the uh, guardian angels there. And as I walked down, I, I go and I get the coffee at, at 7-Eleven and I got a, a, a roll, you know, one of these sweet rolls, which I would not normally eat, but I was on vacation. And so anyway, as I'm walking up with my coffee and an unopened uh, sweet roll in its package, a guy said to me, he says, he was a street person, and he says, hey, sir, I was in my clerics, hey, sir, why don't you share the honeymoon? Huh? I had no idea what he said. Share the honeymoon. He wanted part of my uh, bun. And so I just gave him my bun, you know, and I was saying, well, I didn't need the bun anyway. But again, though, for us who follow Jesus, that should be a no-brainer. If it comes to someone else who's hungry and needs my roll or me who doesn't need the roll, you should give it away anyway. Even if I did need the roll, uh, you give it away. We who are followers of Jesus should be the most loving people the world sees. And I know that's not for me. So sometimes I question my true discipleship of Jesus. If I'm truly following him the way I need to follow him. And the answer is no. But hopefully I'm always trying to do better and trying to make sure that uh, I'm doing what he wants me to do. Um, again, sometimes I do it, sometimes I don't. But I know what, I'm, what I must do. I know what God's calling me to do. And uh, I just have to start doing it always, not just when I feel like it or not just when I'm getting ready to do something. 
So that's part of uh, what we all got to do. So I just think you just keep loving, 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 and people are going to be attracted to us. And it's easy to love other people we don't know. It's a lot harder to love people that we do know. Okay, so especially family, because they hurt us, and that's, uh, that's what it comes down to. Now, I thought I had my glasses. Oh, they fell on the floor. Sorry. Okay. Hi, Father. Hi, Chris. How can you differentiate between saying no to God's will versus saying no to others, but in God's will? Thinking about the story about the honey bun, <laughs> which I just talked about. Obviously, you don't say yes to every request. If I would have said yes to every request, I would have not got down a half a block on uh, the strip because on the strip, there are people, you know, sometimes on the same bridge, five different people begging for money. The only thing you can do, I think, is uh, what gives you peace. That's always what I keep coming back to. You know, someone says, like I gave a talk a couple weeks ago, or no, someone maybe wrote to me, I forget, which I haven't responded to emails since I've been back because it's been a whole mess of things all at one time. But someone says, if we're always supposed to be listening to God and focusing on God, then we would never take care of the poor and anything else, right? Because I just got to put God and think of God all the time and nobody else. And I says, if you're thinking of God and listening to God, he's the one that's going to tell you to take care of the poor. He's the one that's going to tell you to love more. He's going to be the one that tells you to forgive others. So when I'm saying you're focusing on God, uh, it doesn't take you away from others because remember, if you're focusing on God, Jesus said, whatever you do, the least my brothers or sisters you do unto me. So everybody is a brother and sister of Jesus and a brother and sister of us, and that is Jesus Christ. If we got that, if we start living that, there wouldn't be anyone in the world that would not be a Catholic. Everybody would want to be a Catholic because as the early church said, see how they love one another. Now you'll have people that would kill us, of course, but you wouldn't have people that look at us and sometimes I look at us too and I go, really, is that who we are? Is that what we're about? And it shouldn't be. There's no excuse when we're filled with judgment of others. We can judge actions, but the anger that people feel as Catholics, the uh, vile things that come out of their mouths in God's name uh, is just something that I'm embarrassed by, and we all should be embarrassed by, and we should all start saying that's not what it is to be a follower of God. When Jesus said the things he said he hard, he said it because he loved them and wanted them to come to conversion. And even though he didn't just say those things, if he'd have just said that, he'd have been just like any other pagan, even though he was God. But he died to take their sins upon himself. So he lived it. Sometimes we say when we're judging people that, oh, I love them, that's why I'm saying it. Okay, prove that, but die for them. Right? Like, again, I've told you the story many times about a guy who, when I was still on EWTN, they would call it and says, you know, Father, I just want to tell you I'm not going to my cousin's wedding. And I said, why aren't you going? Because they're living in sin. And I want them to know how sinful they are. And I go, oh, um, are they getting married in the Catholic Church? Well, yes. I said, well, the Catholic Church is going to be there. Why aren't you going to be there? Because I want them to know how sinful they are. I said, how long before the wedding? They said, six months. And I, he said, six months. And I said, okay, every Friday you're supposed to fast anyway. Every Friday I want you to fast on bread and water for their conversion. How about that? And he hung up on me, right? Because he wasn't the least bit interested in loving them. 
he was interested in damning them and condemning them. And again, in Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 1, what does it say? There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So our point is to bring them to Jesus. We do that through repentance. But when we, it says, believe in the good news, believe in God's love, that's when people come to repentance, is when they come to know our love. Love is what converts people, not judgment, as I've said a thousand times. And I can say that quite easily. I can't live that quite easily at all. So, but again, that's uh, part of the reality. Okay. Adrian says, which of the seven sins do you feel has been the most destructive to the family structure in the world? Pride. <laughs> you know, now people wanted me to say, lust. <laughs> nope, pride. Pride is ultimately the core of 99.9% .9 of sins. Why? Because pride makes us want to do things our way. It's putting ourselves first. When we put our families, when you and I put our spouses before ourselves, every time I marry somebody, like I married someone this weekend, and I said, you know, every day uh, you're called to die for your spouse, period. The other person is more important than you. That's what it is, that Christian marriage to be real. Or parents who put their family first. So again, people, uh, families break up because uh, fathers or mothers nowadays, both are so busy at work and making money, they don't have time to be with each other or the kids. But that's ultimately doing it what you want to do. It's pridefulness. So if you ask me, the, the core of the seven deadly sins is the one that goes all the way back to uh, Satan when he left paradise. And when he said, I will not serve pridefulness. I will be the God of my own life. I will do as I want, not as anybody else wants. I do not exist to serve anybody but myself. And that's when families start breaking up, is when we're doing things for ourselves instead of doing things for others. Okay, let's go online here. Good afternoon. How do you pray when you are angry with the Father? By being completely honest with the Father. You know, when you're angry, anger is either hurt or fear. And so you talk to the Father about the hurt or the fear. Again, people play games, I think, with God. It's That's why it drives me crazy when people just... Uh, you know, and pull out their prayer books. That's not being real. It's someone saying someone else's prayer. And the only time that's really effective is when you're saying the Lord's prayer because it's God's prayer. It's his prayer himself. So we got to sit there and uh, figure out what's going to be, uh, how I'm going to be most real with God. You know, again, when I'm angry, with anybody and I go before the Lord in prayer, I got to talk to him about that. I got to, you know, again, most of the time my prayer is, Jesus, you got to change my heart towards this person. Help me to see them the way you do. But when we're angry at the Father, again, a lot of times it's because we got hurt by the Father and uh, we, act, we expected something else from him and he gave us his will instead of our will. And isn't that always funny? that we get mad at God, and then when we say the Lord's Prayer, we say, your will be done. And then, so I just told God, God, I want your will in my life. And then God gives us his will in our life, and then we get mad. 
you know? Or we try to say, God, why didn't you make that person do something when the greatest gift he gave us after existence is our free will? So we have these issues with God most of the time because he isn't doing what we want. And then we get mad. So we got to talk to him about that reality or that he, you know, something happened to someone and we're so hurt by that that we're angry at God or we're not getting our will, whatever it is. But just be honest with him. That's all I can tell you. He's your dad. He knows you have a heart that's angry. Talk to him about why you're angry. He can heal your heart if you're real with him. Okay? So, let's go on here with another question. Hi, Father Larry. I have a question regarding cremation. It's against the Catholic Church. Can our ashes be spread or do they need to be buried? You can be cremated and the ashes must be buried. They can't be put on your mantle or put in people's uh, uh, things for around their neck. And the reason why, I mean, the church, you can look at the Vatican website and put creation, uh, cremation in there and you can read the document. It's not a very big document, three pages, four pages. It explains what you can do, what you can't do, and why it's important. Primarily, when Christ became a man, when the per second person of Trinity became a man, he uh, divinized, or di uh, divinization, it's called the divinization of man, that when uh, divinity took on humanity, humanity took on divinity. And so our, our bodies are the places where God has dwelt, especially if we're followers of Jesus, that we are the living tabernacles of God. So we just can't take it and spread it. We gotta take it and have it buried in, uh, in hollowed ground or making a hollowed ground by the priest blessing it. But more than that, it's, it's the reality that we do these things to show sacredness of that, you know, the sacredness of the body. But again, what happens if someone did it? Does that mean they're going to hell? Of course not, you know? Again, the people that sit there and say, well, then you're going to hell for sure. When even John Paul II, the great Saint John Paul, he should be called Saint John Paul the Great because he was. He, if you ever read in his book, Crossing the Threshold of Hope, he says clearly, we know that hell exists, but we don't know if anyone's there. And then he says, even Judas, we can't even tell Judas is in hell. Now, I, when I read that as a seminarian, I was like, what? Well, Our Lady of Fatima says people go to hell like snowflakes to snowstorm. At least that's what Sister Lucia said. How can that not be? And I don't know. But here's John Paul, who is very orthodox and very uh, straight. And he knows the teaching about, you know, Jesus said the road to damnation is wide and many people choose it. So we gotta stop thinking that this God of the universe just sends everyone to hell. Again, let's go back to when Adam and Eve sinned. When Adam and Eve sinned, God told them, if you do this, you will die. They did it. They ate of the tree or whatever. And so the justice of God must be fulfilled. So they died. And so have all of us since the very beginning. We have died. Now God, who made that promise, we had to die or God would be a liar. So this God of the universe, what does he do? I love my people. Everyone God has created, he has loved. So think of the person you hate the most. God loved that person and brought them into existence because he loved them. 
There is no one that God created who he did not love. Period. There is no one who God created that he did not and does not love. Period. So, if that's true, that the God of the universe created us out of great love, then we got to trust that he loves everybody more than we do. And what does he do when Adam and Eve sinned and said, if you do this, you will die? He became one of us. And he died for us so that we could live with him forever. So the God of love and the God of justice, the same God, both things must be fulfilled. But he fulfills both of those things in himself. With, the death of the, with his death on the cross. And that's what's so important for us, that we got to know that, we got to believe that, that God can make all things work together for good because he loves us always. Love consists in this. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us first. When I was in deep sin, he loved me and died for my sins. When you were in deep sin, he loved you died for your sins and it's his love that brings us to the repentance it's his love that brings us to eternal life so that's what we got to proclaim and that's what we got to believe uh, okay so let's go on here father larry i've heard that the vaccine is just the beginning of some prophecies about the mark on people in the end times i would love your opinion on this since i have not made a decision on whether i should get it or not because I don't want to be in disobedience with the teachings of the word of God. I think it's garbage, 100% garbage, that these things that come out. I think, in my opinion, that everyone should get the vaccine. The Pope of our church, Pope Francis, says it's a moral imperative for everyone to get the vaccine. He got the vaccine. Uh, Pope Benedict got the vaccine. The bishops have been pushing the vaccine. You know, there are people that sit there and in my life that refuse to get the vaccine. I don't tell them they have to. But the problem is, is when we don't get ourselves vaccinated or whatever it happens to be, that's what it is now, or wear a mask or whatever. There's people that, again, call themselves Christians that are very anxious. We shouldn't be like sheep. Uh, that's exactly what we should be. We should be sheep. Jesus is our shepherd, and we're his sheep. And that means we obey him in all things. And so Jesus tells us to pick up our cross and die every day for others. So if you wear a mask, you're picking up your cross, and you're dying to your miserable self for other people. It's not about you. If you get the vaccine, it's not about you. There are still thousands of people dying every day because they haven't got the vaccine. Now, people who have got the vaccine have still got COVID, but not one has died because of COVID after the vaccine. When they start talking about all this stuff, they have been predicting that Jesus is coming back since the early church. The early church thought he was coming back next week. That's why they never wrote the word of God down. They didn't start writing the word of God until 30 years after the resurrection because they thought Jesus was coming back tomorrow. And that's why Peter says, a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years to Christ, So we, to God. So we have to start writing these things down. That's why the scripture was originally in the oral tradition, 
And then it was starting to get written down. And by 390 AD, they wrote the word of God down. So when the Pope of the church, and we're not just a Bible church, we're a church that follows scriptures. Now, uh, the first of Charles, the tradition and the teaching of the apostles. So right now, people are listening to wackos on the, uh, on, on the websites and on Facebook. And then when the Pope of the church, who God gave us to lead us in his will, no, they dismiss him for some wacko problem. Prophecy. Now, this drives me crazy. Can you tell? Because there's too many people that they're only living for their own selfishness. I don't believe this. I don't buy it. Well, that's good. Live that, but stop then being on everybody else's case about it. I've had people yell at me. People have threatened to leave my church because I said you should wear a mask if you haven't been vaccinated, and I'm not going to do that. Well, okay, great. Thank you for telling me who you are. You're a follower of you. You're not a follower of Jesus. Jesus said, give up your life for others. And so we do this, not for ourselves. It's an act of kindness to help other people not die. To help other people not get sick. There are people in my parish that cannot get the vaccine because of other reasons. And so they're unprotected and they can't, for health reasons, get the vaccine. So if someone else could get it and they decide no and they're not going to wear a mask and they get it and then they pass it on these other people and they die. It was all because of someone's selfishness that they put themselves first. How hard it is to wear a mask to save somebody else's life. And that's what it's about. It's about saving other people. It's not about us. So, no one has to get the vaccine. Again, the greatest thing you have is you have free will. And with free will, you get to do as you want. Adam and Eve had free will. They chose to do what they wanted. We have free will. We can choose to do what we want. Or we can choose to give up our life for the love of God and the love of others if that's what it cost us. You see, so again, I just think that when it comes to this, it's simple. I got my second vaccine February 1st, but no problems. I, you know, and there's people that believe, I mean, literally, that they shot into our arms little um, transmitters and that so they can keep, I mean, come on, people of God. Really? Is that what we're about? That that's what happens, that we have transmitters in us and we have the six, six oh, come on, just come on, come on, come on, come on. Stop it. We are supposed to give our life for other people, not constantly be focused on myself and my salvation. We got to get over this. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about doing God's will. And that always means we are going to die, die, die to self for other people. So please, if you're living for yourself, stop calling yourself a follower of Jesus. You are a follower of yourself. Even if you go to daily mass, you and I must do God's holy will. And when we do this every day by giving up our life for others, then more and more people will come to us. If all we do is keep pushing what we believe and everybody else is wrong, then people will stay away from us and they'll go to hell because we showed, we said we are followers of Jesus and we showed them someone who was selfish. And they look at that and think, like I have a buddy, the buddy I was just with this weekend, 
this last couple days, you know, he goes back and forth with where he's at with God, and he just keeps saying, the more I see people who are only in about, oh, let me pray with you, let me do this, but then next door there's a poor person right there, and they're doing nothing for the poor. How's that being a follower of Jesus, is what they say, he says. And I agree. Like, I know. It's like, and it's not either or. It's always both and. We must pray. We must pray with people, but we must take care of the poor. We must always be more concerned about others than ourselves. That's why I say again and again, you should have on your mirror of your home three words, I am third. God is first. Others are second. I am last. So it's always, I am on this earth to serve. That's what I put up this morning because today's gospel was the Son of Man came to serve. Or, that, you know, that's we got to be constant. God created you and me to serve, to put other people first. It's just that simple. So, sorry I get so uh, bent out of shape about this, but at the same time, I'm just so tired of it. I'm so tired of the internet being filled with hate-filled people who call themselves Catholics. I'm tired of it. I was one of them. I understand it. But when we're like that, I'm, it's because we just don't know Jesus. And the louder we get, like I'm getting crazy, the more we're trying to convince others. But God is calling us to serve, to give up our life. So if you get crazy over that, Jesus could get crazy. But he did it to love people and to save them and to bring them to salvation. So we got to do the same. Okay, that's enough of that one. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, let's see. Yeah, uh, anchored in hope design. Yes, I designed it. You can't really see it now, but that's uh, why there's St. Joseph there. Everything that I think is important to be a Christian is on here. So the anchor is there to be anchored in hope. The crucifix, because we preach Christ crucified. St. Joseph, I've always had great devotion to St. Joseph. The books, the three books I have up here is the Catechism, the Bible, and the Code of Canon Law. I have a picture of Pope uh, John Paul II and a picture of Pope Francis. I have uh, the the lighthouse to be uh, the light in the darkness that's that ball called to be and this story of hope where people are being baptized people are praying and there's Christ in the midst of it all rising and so I just think these are the type of things that uh, bring us hope so yes thank you for asking that what is what is good advice to stick with prayer routine after one small bump in the road diverts me from sticking with it you start again you know, again, like one of the things that's been shown that if you decide, okay, every day I'm going to pray at uh, 355, like I do normally, and then I'm somewhere where I can't, I didn't do my, I didn't get up at 355 uh, the, the first two days I was in Vegas. I slept in. I woke up at six, and that's when I did my holy hour and said mass. So the thing with me is that even though I have a specific time I prefer, the greater thing is God always, I say Mass every day, and I do a holy hour every day, period. That's what I'm convicted on. So, for me, then I do that, and even if it's 1 o'clock in the morning and I have not done my holy hour or said Mass, then I do, I do not go to bed until my holy hour and Mass is done, period. 
Now that when I was in the hospital, it didn't happen because I was very sick. And so I just, I talked to the Lord the whole time while I was there, but I didn't say mass that day. I didn't, my whole year, everything got to be a mess the one day. After that, I got to say mass and everything else again. But the reality is you got to commit yourself to no matter what, every day I get five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, whatever your time is with God and never go to bed without it. And if one of these things happened, like I was in a hospital dying, well, as soon as I got back out, immediately I started back up with what I needed to do. So just start again. There's no big uh, craziness with that. Just start again and you'll be fine. Okay. At the Lamb of God in Mass, why does the priest break off a piece of the host and put it in the cup? What is the significance of this? What we do is we take this, we take a, the body, so right now it is the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. And so we break it off and we say, may the mingling of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ bring, uh, 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 may the mingling of the body and blood of Jesus keep us safe from eternal life. No, no. But it's just, uh, uh, it shows the unity of the body. That's the whole thing. That I was talking about, the pouring of the water. I got that mixed up. We, we mix the, 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 uh, the precious body of Christ with the precious blood of Christ to show the unity of both species. Now, again, as I've told, talked about before, you get the fullness of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ if you receive the host or if you drink from the cup. It's just more symbolic to hope. So it's the, sim the symbolism bringing the two elements together. You know, it's one. Uh, that's the primary purpose of that. Okay, let's go on. I believe that hell exists. If God willing, I go to heaven and found out God's found something in everyone to save. He sent no one to hell. Then praise God that is his will. Exactly correct. You know, the, the one story I love to tell when it comes to all this stuff is... Uh, at the end of the world, the, the second judgment, everybody's there, and God's sending, you know, putting everybody and separating them as he promised he would in, uh, in um, Matthew 25. And again, explicitly, according to Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, he's the one that says how we're going to be judged to the end. I was hungry and he gave me food. I was thirsty and he gave me drink. Now again, what that means explicitly, if you're not taking care of the poor, you're going to hell. Even if you're the purest person, never had a sexual sin your whole life, da, 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 objectively from that thing. Now again, Jesus saves you with his body and blood uh, and his death on the cross when you repent and accept that. That means that repentance means I am now living a life for others. I'm now taking care of the poor and I'm doing it consistently. I'm not trying to. There is no trying to. You must do this. This is what Jesus says we will be judged on. But so anyway, so here he goes and he's saying, he sends an angel out and he says to everybody, God in his mercy is going to bring everyone to heaven no matter what. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, he's going to let it cover everybody. Come on home. And the people that are being damned, they're ecstatic and they're laughing and they're so excited because they thought for sure. And then the people who were going to be go to heaven because they were such saints and they denied themselves all these things and they did all this stuff, they start screaming in anger. You can't let those people in. After everything I have done for you, I did this, I did this, I was pure, I stood up for all your rules and commandments. I did it all. And they're the ones that are instantly damned. Why? 
because they didn't learn the most important thing about God. God is a God of love and mercy. And I've been a virgin my whole life. And I often think there'll be, I'll be one of the few virgins in heaven. And that doesn't make me special at all. And I don't do that to earn heaven. I did it as a, as a gift to God. But after everything I've done for him all these years, and that's, that sounds that's bragging, but that's not what I'm meaning here. But after being a virgin, after giving up my life for the church and for others, if God let everybody in at the end, I would be ecstatic. I would be ecstatic that God let everybody in. The ones that were good and the ones that were bad. And I think that this is part of who God is. I'm not talking universal salvation here. Why? Because there's some people that would not accept this salvation and they would be damned because again, what is damnation? It's being it's being, salvation is forever being happy in heaven where we all love each other. Huh? If you're not loving now, you'll hate heaven because heaven's the place where God loves us, we love him and we love each other forever. That's what heaven is. And so like again, I once said to my mother again years ago before she had Alzheimer's, you know, we were talking and she's saying, well, if that person's going to heaven, I don't want to go there. And I says, don't worry, mother, you won't. <laughs> Isn't that horrible to my own mother? But I wanted her to know that, mother, your heart must be changed. You know, and again, how many times have I told this to you people? That I believe that when we finally hope and pray that the person we hate the most on this earth we hope and pray they sit next to us forever in heaven. When we finally are hoping and praying for that, we know what it is to be God-like, to love like God. Now again, they'll be redeemed and you'll be redeemed. Don't we get it? That's the whole reality, to do what God created us to do. And God is love. We must be the incarnation of love on this earth. Again, I can talk about this easily. I know I'm not. You don't have to write me letters and tell me. I know it, I know it, I know it. But I'm still working on it and getting better at it, I hope. Anyway, let's go on. Okay. Hi, Father. Hi, Robert. How do we know as sheep which type of priest, shepherd to follow? A priest like Father Altman or a priest like Father James Martin? A priest like Jesus Christ, neither of them, and not me either. You can't because of what you're making doing is judgment. But what I am saying is, again, both of those priests I have, I have difficulties with, as priests have difficulties with me. So I'm not saying it's not a thing about here or there. Sometimes people, uh, we, we, we hear like one thing about a, what a particular person does, and we put them all to that. Like for me, the only time I watched Father Altman was when he sat there and said, if you're a Democrat, you're going to hell. Well, I thought that was horrendous to say. But I'm not going to reduce Father Altman to what he said there. I am sure Father Altman is a good priest, seeking God's will, seeking to do what God wants. But I would totally disagree with him on that. I've read Father James Martin's book on um, the spirituality to everything or whatever. Fantastic book. 
I would not agree with him in any way in the way that he talks about we have to accept homosexuality as it is. But I would not reduce him to something I disagree with in what he says. And see, isn't that what we do with everybody? We hear, like again, there are, oh, again, all you have to do is go online and you're going to find, put Father Larry Richards in there in Google and you're going to find some horrendous things that I have said. If people reduce me to that, something taken out of context, I said it. I'm hoping no one reads it, but 90% of the people have reduced me to that. And that's a shame. I mean, I'm worse than that. Much worse. But I have people reduce any of us. You too. Think of your worst thing you've ever done and someone caught you doing it. And for the rest of your life, that's what you'd be known by. Who we should follow always is the Pope of the Church. Period. So that's who you're called to be like because he is the good shepherd that Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's he who has the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And so, now before, for the conservatives, people would say, I agree with you a thousand percent, Father. Yes, we must follow the Pope. Because why? The Pope agrees with me. Now we get a Pope that's telling us to be more loving, take care of the poor. Oh, I don't agree with that. He's into the environment. I'm not going to listen to him. Well, the only thing that's changed is you. You're just now disobedient when you're called to be obedient. So again, I always say, well, who preaches the official teaching of the church in its fullness. We must be pro-life, absolutely positively. We kill human beings and it's the worst uh, problem in the whole world to me is how we kill babies in the mothers, the wombs of their mothers. But we also must take care of the poor. People want to hear about one thing and say it's not the same. 15,000 children today will die of starvation in the world. It's aborting them when they're older. If we're not taking care of the poor, we're not pro-life. So you see, I'm not telling you to follow any particular person, except for the Pope, but also except for the fullness of the teaching of the Catholic faith. The fullness of it. Not a particular part only. The fullness of the truth is what we need. And so, that's what kind of shepherd. But Again, just like people would agree, like those of you who are watching, some of you will stop watching me because of this today. Bam, you're done. You're out of my life forever, Father, because of one thing I said. Think about that. Is that what we've become? That we can't even listen to people that don't agree with us? That we can't even have a dialogue anymore with people who don't agree with us? We just automatically judge them forever and we put them in a category because of one thing we've heard about what they're teaching. I don't think it's of God. I just don't think if it's of God, it's just not of God. Father, God of the universe, loved and sent Jesus to die for Father Altman and God the Father of the universe died and sent Jesus to die for Father James. Um, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> he loves them both. And get this, they're both priests of Jesus Christ. They are in the person of Christ. Both of them, Father James Martin, Father Altman, they're both, both priests of Jesus Christ. They both can forgive you your sins. They both can take the bread and wine and make the body, blood, soul, and divinity of God of that. And we're called to sit there and love them and respect them because they're priests. And again, 
Well, I don't buy that, Father. I'll, buy, I'll follow the one, not the other. Okay. Follow Jesus who speaks through them. None of us are perfect, including you, and most especially me. Okay? So, the church says when we receive communion, all our venial sins are forgiven. Then why do I go to confession? <laughs> I go, but I'm confused. The church's teaching is you only have to go to confession once a year for mortal sins, the official teaching of the church. You need to can repent every day, you know, because you're not doing your will. I mean, you're not, because you're doing your will instead of God. So that's why, especially sitting in nations talked about an examination of conscience at least three times a day, morning, late afternoon, and evening. Who did they see today, Jesus or me? But then when it comes to, like, I go to confession every two weeks, every once a month, it depends. Now, hopefully I don't have mortal sin, but my venial sins are forgiven at every Mass, and so are yours. At the very beginning, when the priest says, let's call to mind our sins, and the priest gives absolution. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. That's forgiveness of venial sins. Mortal sins, it's not forgiveness for us, so you must always confess mortal sins. And so, and then too, it's a good practice to go to confession once a month because it kills our pride. And as I talked about in the beginning, pride is one of the biggest problems in the church and in families today. So when I'm going to confession once a month, I'm humbling myself before another human being who then God gives the power to them as a priest to forgive us our sins. So once a month confession, I encourage for everybody, not weekly, not every other day, once a month to kill your pride, okay? But the official teaching of the church about confession is you must go to confess mortal sins once a year. And the reason it says that is so, because if you die in mortal sin, objectively you go to hell, so we want to make sure people are not staying in mortal sin. Okay. Uh, Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, lead me, guide me by sacraments. Very good, uh, Jen. Uh, what do you feel is the answer to handle the division that seems to be happening within our church? The answer is stricter policy or separation of church and state. Again, I think that we do need separation of church and state. Because, again, when there's a problem in the church, it's always become when we became more like the emperor in charge and we're fighting, we're doing all this stuff. Or you look at other countries where they have... Uh, Sharia law or the, the Muslims take over and make everybody, you know, again, for us Catholics, we want everybody to be under the Catholic law. You know, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do that. Muslims want everybody under their uh, Muslim law, Islam, this way to do this. And that's when they persecute us and do everything else. So as long as we want it our way, then that's fine. As long as Muslims want it their way, then we think that's fine. It shouldn't be any person's way. Everybody should be free to do as God, they feel that God is saying and talking to them. Period. God gives us a free will. Everyone has the right to choose or not to choose. We have the right to choose or not to choose to go to hell and be damned forever. But in the midst of that, we're all called to be people of great love. We still need justice in our church and in our world and our society to keep a good society so people don't go around killing others. But again, I just think it needs to be separate. And when it comes to the infighting in the church, the main thing that keeps us infighting is our pride. We all think we're right, including me. That's a problem. We all have to have the humility that people know more than me. And that's why I always go to, if it comes between what I say and what the church says or the Pope says, doesn't matter what I say. Listen to them. Listen to the official teaching. But again, what is the official teaching of the church? 
is the magisterium. That's what we've always been taught. What is the magisterium? The Pope and the bishop speaking as one. Not one bishop speaking as one. Not one cardinal speaking as one. We can't say, well, this bishop says this and this cardinal says this and that's who I'm going to believe. If they disagree with the Pope, they're wrong. Sorry. The only one person that was promised to, the sign of unity in the Catholic Church is the Pope of the Church, whoever that happens to be. And I have supported every pope since I have been ordained and before that. I would die for any pope, not just Francis, but any of the popes. Because I believe no matter who is in that office, the office is protected by God to lead us and guide us. And so if I was to follow Pope Francis and then they found out later, all I'd have to do is look at God that it was wrong. God, I did what you asked me to do. I listened to the one who has the keys to the kingdom of heaven, period. You cannot be damned for that, but you can be damned for disagreeing publicly and disrespecting because that is Jesus Christ on this earth. That's who he represents. And so when you disrespect him publicly, you're doing the same to Christ Jesus. So you just gotta watch it, okay? Let's go on. Father Altman, hands down. Neither of them. Don't get into that. Please don't be so miserable to people. Please. Father, I'm constantly irritated by my mother's attitude. I don't know how to handle this. Can you please guide me? Also, I'd like to know how to heal myself completely. You heal your mother because you treat her like Christ because she is the least of the brothers or sisters and how can you be healed completely? You got to surrender yourself to the Spirit of God who's Christ alive inside of us now. But again, sometimes like right after this, I'm going to go see a shrink and it's going to help. I just, you know, I don't think I need it much anymore because we really talked a lot about everything in these last almost two years. So it's completely two years. But again, it's just nice to be able to look in things like why I do what I do. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with, oh, it's the devil. It does. I have problems myself, as everybody knows so clearly. So uh, we keep trying to do what we do, but sometimes just going and talking to someone. You can never heal yourself. Someone has to heal you. That's why when you've got cancer, you go to a doctor. If you have psychological problems, you see a psychologist. You just have to deal with something. You go to, you have sin, you go see a priest. You can't heal yourself. God will heal you through one of those other ways, Okay. Couple more here, and we got to do this. I was raised Catholic and left in my 30s attending non-denomination for the last 20 years, but I'm slowly being drawn back into the Catholic Church. Any advice? Yes. You just keep praying and ask God, where is he leading you? Just, you know, what is the official teaching of the church? You know, again, that's why I love to talk when someone comes to me, and if they're Catholic or Protestant, they're asking me about the difference. Basic difference is, I've talked about before, is that the Catholics believe man is basically good. Protestants believe man is basically evil. You know, because when Adam and, sin, Adam and Eve sinned, it destroyed us. We're evil people now. If given a choice between good and bad, we'll always choose bad. Catholics have always believed, St. Aquinas, Thomas Aquinas taught us this, that if given a choice between good and evil, we'll always choose good, even if it's an apparent good, okay? And we believe in the scripture and tradition. Protestants believe in scripture alone. Why? Because the... Uh, 
again, uh, Martin Luther says only the Bible, only the Bible, only the Bible. But the church wrote the Bible, right? So it's, we need the tradition of the church and the Bible. The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible, of course, but he used members of the church to do it. When Paul was writing the scriptures, he was writing it to a bunch of people. He was the instrument of God, a human being, an instrument of God who was writing to the church that didn't have the New Testament yet. So the church always come before the New Testament and from the church came the New Testament by the power of the Holy Spirit. So another a difference there. We believe that we're saved by grace. All of us believe we're saved by grace, but the way we prove we're saved by grace by not only is by faith, but also by living that. Martin Luther says, faith alone, it doesn't matter how you live. Well, explicitly, Matthew 25, it does matter. It does matter. When you take all scripture together, it does matter. We can't just proof text different scriptures. So again, so just pray and do where you feel that the Lord is leading you. And the best way to find out where he's leading you is what gives you peace. Okay? What gives you peace? Okay. God bless you, Father. We believe that our God saved our blessed mother from sin. Yes. Could you please help us analyze why all of us are not free from sin too? I understand free will is the key. Well, Mary didn't have free will to get freed from all sin now, did she? Because she was freed from free, uh, free of uh, original sin from the moment she was conceived. She didn't do it. See, that's what this is about grace. Blessed Mother did nothing to deserve being preserved from sin from the moment of her conception. Now, she did have free will to say yes to God's will or no, but it was because of the singular grace of God that put at Mary the moment she was conceived when her mother and father uh, had intimacy, sexual intimacy. The moment she was conceived, God took what Jesus would do on the cross and placed that on her at that moment. And this is the grace that God gives to all of us, not to never sin, but it's by grace that we're saved. It's by what Jesus did for us. And once we receive that, the way we show that we have received that is by our faith and by how we live that. We love other people. We give our lives for them every day. Again, what we've talked today was kind of a, a hard um, podcast, I see. And it was hard because I think it was very, I was challenging today. And again, even for that, hopefully everything I've challenged is for all of us to get over ourselves so that we can really be light of the world. If we're just focusing on ourselves and on what we want and on doing only the good and, you know, avoiding the bad, which is part of it, then it becomes something that's in a selfish act. And God died on the cross to set us free from our sins, but to set us free from ourselves. And we need to live a life of great love, no matter the cost, even if it kills us. Got it? Get it? Gonna live it? Now each of you know is love today and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you, He who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Pray for me. I love you and know I'm praying for you. See you.